Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Good morning and welcome to Connection Point Church Online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here at this great church. So glad you've joined us online for this snowy, wintry January morning. That is if you're in the greater Lafayette area. If you're uh, somewhere else this morning, you can type in the comments. Let us know what weather looks like for you. Uh, But we've got some snow here today in West Lafayette. Probably do some sledding later. Hope you guys get out to enjoy it as well. Um, But Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Made it to 2021. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, 2020 was an interesting year, and, and as I was, I was reflecting on this last year, uh, of course, in preparation for looking at the year to come and, and thinking about prayer, uh, I really had a lot to, to pray about last year. I, I opened the year, we got into a series on a great awakening, and my prayer was, God, bring about a great awakening in the North American church. And And I actually do believe God has been answering that prayer in rather unique ways. Uh, God has a way of doing that. He answers our prayer sometimes in ways we don't anticipate. But but God, nonetheless, is bringing about an awakening in a lot of people's hearts. Uh, I prayed uh, in March, Lord, (laughs) help us get our group from Israel back to West Lafayette. We almost wound up trapped there. Um, So God answered that prayer as well. And and there was lots of things. Uh, God, help me have patience with my kids during remote learning. Any parents pray that prayer? Uh, God, uh, <clears throat> heal our friend Angel, who had a brain bleed. Jesus, give our church leadership team wisdom on how to best uh, go about this year, lead people well, shepherd the people of Connection Point Church. There's, there's been a lot that's gone into prayer this year. But no matter how much I pray, I have found it good practice to go back and revisit what our good practices in prayer. I still remember as a teenager, the Lord was impressing more and more upon my life the, the need to pray, uh, but no one really taught me how to pray. You just kind of, you know, you're just told, go pray. Oh, okay. So I remember praying and like praying everything I could think of. And three minutes later, I didn't know what to do, you know? I don't know how prayer has been for you, but it's, it's been a journey for me. And really what I found is my prayers, they seem to be much less than I expected them to be And I'd say my results are mediocre at best. If you ever felt this way about prayer, then you're in good company. Even the disciples, the the closest followers of Jesus, they had questions about how to approach God in prayer. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, (laughs) if you're at home this morning, I hope you've got God's word with you. We're gonna be in Mark chapter nine this morning for our first passage. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 17 and work my way through verse 29. So Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 17 through verse 29. And, and someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. (laughs) It dawned on me. Jesus sounded a little bit frustrated here. (laughs) 
Oh, man, that's good. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it was often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a prayer right there. I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house with his disciples, they asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. These really are the words of God to us. Well, since September, uh, we've been working through a message series, Better Together, with the understanding that the way we get through a crisis is together. The way we get through 2020 is together. And the way that we reach all of the networks that exist in our world today is also together. We are better together through crisis and to share the gospel with the whole world. And from this series, here's what we've established. I want to go back to this because it really matters today as we take a look at where we're headed in this series with Jesus and prayer. We found that we have a king. We live in a kingdom God's word is our guide, and we have a mission to fulfill. And as part of this series, I shared a message on Jesus and end times, and and in that message, we find from our passage in Matthew chapter 24 that it is those who endure to the end who shall be saved. So it turns out our mission requires endurance. Our mission's not an easy one. We, we took time the past several weeks to rewatch, uh, as a family, we rewatched the Lord of the Rings series. Every time I watch that series, I, I look at that and I think, you know what? There have been times where I've got to live in the Shire, and there have been times where I've been in the middle of Mordor. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm sorry for you. You need to go watch a good movie series. So Lord of the Rings, it's good. So when you watch that series, I don't know, it just kind of brings out something. Tolkien had a unique way of describing our journey in the kingdom of God. Our mission is worth devoting our lives to as we talk about the mission. So we have this mission to fulfill. It requires endurance. And it's worth our time, effort, and energy. But it does require endurance. And now since sharing that message on end times, we've been talking about knowing that our our mission requires endurance. We've been talking about those things that lead to endurance. What are those characteristics or qualities? Because I want us all to be among those who endure to the end. So we talked about Jesus and money. We, we found that the way that we handle our financial resources reveals whether we trust God to secure our lives or whether we're trying to do that ourselves. We talked about Jesus and community, that for us to endure to the end, it's vital that we live well in community. Out of this message, we encourage people to sign up to be in a life group, and, and we have those online. We actually have a number of new groups, so if you're not in a life group, go to connectionpointchurch.org. You can uh, click on the part that says stay connected or it's on our homepage too to sign up for life groups. But I encourage you, be in community. It's vital right now. And then last week we talked about Jesus and rest. We found that scriptural rest, what's the definition? It involves daily abiding and weekly Sabbath. 
Daily, abiding, weekly, that's, that's the simplest definition I can give you of scriptural rest. And, and Sabbath involves stopping, caring, delighting, and abiding. And now today we're going to continue looking at those characteristics that lead to endurance with a message on Jesus and prayer. And what we want to do is we want to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. Because ultimately that's what the disciples are asking him. Why could we not do it, Jesus? He says, this can only come about by prayer. And prayer like Jesus prayed. Because Jesus' prayers, they were effective. We just read in, in Mark how effective they were. And so what we find in our passage from this morning is as we pray, we can become God-possessed. And that's the first point, that we pray like Jesus. Why? So that we can become possessed by God, which is kind of a weird phrase. And it might sound funny, but, but let's consider this passage from Mark chapter 9. It turns out that the boy was more demon-possessed than the disciples were God-possessed. They could not resolve the situation, and Jesus told them why. They lacked prayer. They were not God-possessed because they were not prayer-possessed. Jesus prayed, and he was power. The disciples did not pray, and so they were powerless. And this is what eventually leads the disciples to ask him how to pray. Because ultimately, what is prayer? The underlying conviction behind prayer is that we can do nothing without God. We must be God-possessed to be effective, and prayer is essential for this to happen. You look at Luke chapter 11, and we find after Jesus prays, one of the disciples asks him, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Basically, what they're saying to Jesus is, look, we've seen the results of your prayer life. You're obviously doing something different than us. Our prayers lack the impact that yours have. Can you teach us how to do this right? Because we feel like there's something missing. And Jesus' response is a famous one. He taught his disciples what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. But really, this is the disciples' prayer. It's how Jesus teaches his followers to pray. It's how he teaches us to pray. And there can be a misconception concerning the phrases that Jesus used to teach the disciples how to pray. Uh, some have come to believe that Jesus wanted us to repeat these exact words in this exact order, and that by repeating this prayer, we would somehow trigger a response from heaven. But this prayer was never intended to be an exercise in memorization and recitation, but rather it was a mini-teaching on the various elements involved in effective communication with God. So what I want to do is just go ahead and walk through this prayer, the version we find in Matthew chapter 6, because it more fully captures what is the mini-teaching on prayer that Jesus was giving on what are the important elements we find in prayer. So here's how Jesus explains it in Mark chapter 6. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. 
So it seems from the introduction to the prayer that Jesus modeled that Greek used, the Greeks used long salutations. There, there are many words, Jesus says. In the early fourth century, a Christian historian named Eusebius quoted a decree issued by Galerius easing the persecution of Christians just before the age of Constantine. And here's how he opened his writing. He said, the emperor Caesar, Galerius, Valerius, Maximanus, Invictus, Augustus, Pontifex Maximus, Germanicus Maxicus, Egypticus Maximus, Phoebicus Maximus, And it goes on and on and on, this long salutation. And so we pray by talking to God in a simple, direct fashion. We don't need these long salutations. That's not what God is looking for. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, Jesus said. And think about this. Every day, we are bombarded with words, especially if you spend any time online. Ads, tweets, Facebook, text messages, endless emails. Uh, consider, if you walk through an airport, if, you, if you've traveled much, talk about being bombarded by words. You're surrounded with them, people on cell phones, televisions on, public announcements, departure calls, blaring out from an intercom. We are surrounded by words, immersed in words. And so then they can become cheap. Rarely are words heard as carefully selected pearls of wisdom. We don't listen for words this way. And so Jesus invites people into a world where words are few and they are powerful. Jesus knew how to pray. And the pious, like Daniel, they actually prayed three times a day. And this is even during the first century when Jesus was giving this teaching. They would, at sunrise, at three o'clock, in the afternoon, and, and at sundown. This practice was widespread by the first century, and yet nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus suggest special hours for daily prayer. So we find this is the first change in prayer by Jesus, that we do not have scripted times of prayer, suggested special hours for prayer. No, we can pray at any time and anywhere. There's no boundary to prayer. And then Jesus begins his prayer with our Father, the Greek word Abba. It seems there was a series of 18 prayers in common during the first century. There were various introductions, including God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, Blessed One, Our Father, Holy One. There was lots of introductions to what were 18 common prayers. And from this list, Jesus chooses our Father. To have addressed God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is to pray a prayer of a particular people with a particular history. So when Jesus taught his disciples to pray Abba, he affirmed a vision of a family of faith that went beyond the community of those who claimed a racial tie to Abraham. If God is our father, all people are able to address him equally. In the first century, Abba was used to refer to a person's earthly father or a respected person like a teacher. And although God is like a father in the Old Testament, this is the description we have. Jesus makes this a title for God in this prayer he models. And this was controversial at the time, too informal for most people's liking. Yet the word Abba affirms both a respect in addressing a superior and a very personal relationship 
with the person being addressed. But how does Jesus define Abba? Let's consider this this morning. When Jesus says Abba, how does he define it? Well, he defines it in this parable to this prodigal son. And think about the father in that parable. If you're unfamiliar with it, go back and read that. Search that out. And what you find in this picture is an astounding display of a good, loving, forgiving, caring, and compassionate father. In prayer, we can approach God as our loving father who cares about our every need. And Jesus also reinforces the community aspect of Christian living with our. We are a family of God with one father. He is our father, not just mine or just yours. He's ours. And then this phrase, I love that it's coupled with our father in heaven. Think about that. Our father in heaven. There's, there's something profoundly personal and father, yet awe-inspiring with heaven. Abba, the loving father, he is approachable, and yet he dwells in awesome majesty in the heavens and all of his glory. So when we pray, we approach God as a loving father who cares about our every need. And he is also the one who dwells in awesome majesty. We're praying to a loving father, consider this, who has endless resources and authority, the one who can answer our prayers. So we pray like Jesus by approaching our heavenly father who has all authority and access to endless resources. And then we pray like Jesus by realigning with God. We pray like Jesus by realigning with God. Jesus continues his prayer with, so it's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we find in the prayer that Jesus models is there's a God side and there's a human side. I want you to really hear this this morning. This is really important. Every petition we find in this prayer, it involves an act of God and it also specifies or implies participation on the part of the believer. Each involves the sovereignty of God and the freedom and responsibility of the person. That's how we should look at this prayer this morning. So in this way, I want us to consider each one of those three phrases. Hallowed be your name. Consider it this way this morning. I'll, I'll repeat it twice so that you can really hear it. God makes his name holy, and we are expected to live a holy life. So hallowed be your name. God makes his name holy, and we are expected to live a holy life. Your kingdom come. Consider those two sides, the God side and the human side. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or your kingdom come. Let me start there. Your kingdom come becomes God brings in the kingdom and we are to work toward the goal of its coming. God brings in the kingdom and we're to work toward the goal of its coming. And then finally, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It could read, God fulfills his will and we are to discover that will and obey it in daily life. So God fulfills his will and we are to discover that will and obey it in daily life. Each part involves the sovereignty of God and our freedom and responsibility to live it out. So this part of the prayer, these three parts, what they actually deal with is realignment. 
That's a big part of what prayer is. Prayer is our realigning with God. We need to realign ourselves with God in order to be God-possessed and to experience the results that we hope for. Results of daily provision, forgiveness, and deliverance. We need to emphasize realignment. So here's my emphasis this morning. We in prayer realign and the results take care of themselves. This section of praying like Jesus, it is vital for our spiritual growth and development. The phrase, hallowed be your name, could be better translated as may your name be sanctified. How is God's name sanctified in the earth? It's through obedience. May I live my life today in such obedience to you that your name is sanctified. That's what we're praying. Because God's name is at stake in us, which is weighty. God's name is at stake in me and in you. We need to pray for strength to live in such a way that God's name is sanctified. And then the next phrase, your kingdom come. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom, if you remember, we've talked about this, is about his rule and reign. So God's kingdom is where he rules. Have you brought yourself into submission with King Jesus? That's the question we're considering. This is a prayer asking God to rule your life, which is both a dangerous and exciting prayer. This is also a prayer for the world. God, rule my life and come and rule in the hearts of others. And then the last phrase in this section is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let me know your will and give me the strength to live it out. That's what we're praying. On the simplest level, the will of God is God's desire for good for all of his people. That's God's will. Uh, The Middle East, it still has three traditional kings in Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and Morocco. And in these lands, the king's servants will obey the king. Why? Because he's the king. (laughs) That's why. And if this is true of earthly kings, how much more should it be true of a heavenly one? In heaven, the will of God, it, it flows like a great river that has no barriers to halt its progress. On earth, however, sin interrupts the flow of God's desire for the good of all of his people. In other words, God's will doesn't automatically happen on earth. But the good news is, our prayers release God's will into the world. You ever thought about that? That's powerful. When we pray, we're releasing God's will into the world. We can pray, may the will of God that is always done in the heavens be released to take effect on the earth. May the kingdom of God, his rulership and leadership manifest in my life, my marriage, my family, and our world. We are obliged as a part of this prayer to take care of the earth and what happens in the people who live on it. In prayer, we're simply asking God to do what he already desires to do. You ever consider that? In prayer, if we're aligning our prayer with God, we're just asking him to do what he already wants to do. So how do we pray like Jesus? We should ask God to give us strength to live our lives in obedience to him and his will so that we might sanctify his holy name. We can pray to live in such submission to his rule that his kingdom comes in our lives and influences the lives of those around us. And we can pray that we live in absolute accordance to God's will so that his name is glorified on earth as it is in heaven. 
we pray like Jesus to realign ourselves with God. And I would say this as it relates to prayer, and we're going to jump into the next point. This part of realigning our hearts with God, when you look at Scripture, Old Testament and New, this is where it really matters. And, and I was thinking about the passage of Scripture that says, if you pray and ask anything in my name, I will do it. But there's a condition there. What God is doing, he's training our hearts in prayer, realigning us with his desires. So what happens is, as we start to pray his desires, what he already wants to do, and we're releasing his will on the earth. But what matters is we're first realigning with him because Jesus is not our genie. So when we're approaching the Lord in prayer, what happens is, is he begins to reshape our desire so that his desires become our desires and we're praying that into existence where we live and in the world in which we reside. And that's what really matters in prayer is that we're realigning and we're starting to gain God's heart. And then what happens as we gain God's hearts and we're praying his will to be done, because that's what we're praying, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come. So that's really not about us. That's about us realigning with him. And so then what happens is, is then he starts to bring the results. So that as we pray like Jesus, we begin to experience God-sized results. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, it reads, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I mentioned that Every petition that we find in prayer involves an act of God, and it also specifies or implies participation on the part of the believer. Each involves the sovereignty of God and the freedom and responsibility of a person. And so for for this section, give us this day our daily bread. Here's a way that we could understand that. He gives the gift of daily bread, and I must work to earn it, a God side and a human side. He gives us the gift of daily bread, and I must work to earn it. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this becomes, he forgives, and I must forgive. A God side and human side. And finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It could read, he guides me away from evil, and I must live a life of righteousness. He guides me away, and I live this life of righteousness. So we focus on realigning with God, and now I want to look at the results of what happens. As we realign with him, here's what happens. We have three realignments. Consider this. It's kind of an interesting prayer. Three realignments and three results. And I would say this. You get as much result as you realign. You want provision, forgiveness, and deliverance, then you need to live holy, submit to King Jesus, and walk in obedience to the will of the Father. Our lives are meant to glorify God. So Jesus models this while he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Listen to this. John chapter 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. In other words, Father, your name be sanctified, glorified as I obey your will. This is just what we talked about. Realign and then results. So the first phrase in this section, give us this day our daily bread. A translation of this verse from a second century document says, give us today the bread that doesn't run out. 
I love that. Give us today the bread that doesn't run out. So what we're praying is, we're praying from a release of fear that what we have is not enough. When we realign in submission with God as our ruler, following his will, we can be confident we will always be taken care of, we will always have enough. It's this kind of prayer. Deliver us, O Lord, from the fear of not having enough to eat. Give us bread for today, and with it, give us the confidence that we will have enough for tomorrow. And notice, as we pray this prayer, we're asking for bread, not cake. We ask for that which sustains life, not necessarily all its extras. And we also ask for ours, not just mine. We must always be concerned for our neighbor. The next phrase, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus seems to connect God's forgiveness of his people with their willingness to forgive others. Take a look at Matthew chapter five. It says Jesus in, in teaching earlier in, in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift before you go to the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. So forgiveness tied somehow to our forgiveness of others. Jesus models on the cross that forgiveness must be offered even when it's not requested. As we submit ourselves to the Father, we have a heart for our brother and sister in the church. And forgiveness, it's a reoccurring need, like daily bread. Why? Because we all fall short. And then next is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This better translated might be, do not bring us to the time of trial or do not permit us to go. In other words, God, if you see me headed down a path that will lead to unnecessary trial, please do not permit me to go. Help me avoid evil. And as we pray, we gain the mind of Christ, allowing him to rule, better avoiding temptation and evil. And finally, some early manuscripts included, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we end our prayers in praise. And the last thing I'll point out is that praying like Jesus also includes praying by yourself. We read in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. We find in Mark chapter one, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and prayed. It is important that prayer be a part of our daily abiding time. That's part of why I wanted to follow this message after last week. So we talked about Jesus and rest, which includes daily abiding, and part of your daily abiding should include prayer. And Jesus models for us what kind of prayer we should follow after. And I was thinking a lot, you know, I'm sure in 2020, maybe you spent time in prayer, and maybe the results were different than you expected. But here's what I have found. The more you realign yourself with God in prayer, the more satisfied you are in the results that he brings. That you don't just petition the Lord for the results that you think are best, but as you align with God's heart and mind and soul and what his desires are, you're satisfied with whatever results he brings. So how are you doing realigning with God in prayer? Are you satisfied with the results that he brings and sees as good? 
When we pray, we can pray to ask God to deliver us from the fear of not having enough. You know what? I think that's a pretty important prayer this year. We can pray and ask God to keep us from unnecessary trial and pain. We can also ask God to forgive us uh, for withholding forgiveness and then take time to give and seek forgiveness from others. And then what we do is we close our time in praise, thanking God for what he's done and what he will do. So to pray like Jesus, we realign ourselves with God and then we experience the results only he can bring. I've shared before, but I think it bears repeating uh, that Shelly and I's greatest answers in prayer have been our kids. Uh, Shelly and I were married at 22, but we didn't start having kids till almost the age of 30. Not because we didn't want kids, we just couldn't have them. We committed it all to prayer, we talked with doctors, and said yes to Jesus and his plan for our lives. And when I look at the timing of when we started having kids, it's interesting to look at what decisions Shelly and I were making and following after God. We were realigning with what we know was God's heart, and then the results came that he decided to bring. But also, as I considered that, I know that there's people even in our own congregation that have had those similar struggles. But what I would say is, as you realign with God, you'll be satisfied with whatever results he brings. I don't know what those results are, but God does. And if you're spending your time realigning with God, God, your will be done, your kingdom come. Whatever results he brings, you're satisfied with it. You're satisfied. The only way to get there, though, I would say, is in prayer. Um, Shelly and I, as I mentioned, prayer requests we were praying for this year. We're still praying for our friend Angel, who had a brain bleed eight months ago. Uh, it actually had appeared, so she had this brain bleed, and it had appeared that God had healed it in August when she went for a, a checkup. But then as she went for another checkup at the beginning of December, we found that the issue was still there. And so Angel's husband, Nick, he provides updates on a Karen Bridge site, and after the news of the issue still needing to be fixed, here's what he shared. I thought it would help us this morning. He said, for many of us, the news we received in August was nothing short of miraculous. We had prayed and God had answered in what seemed back then to be medically unexplainable ways. It caused us to worship, to give God glory, and it left us in awe of his goodness and kindness to us and our family. But four short months later, we received the news that Angel is not completely healed, along with a plausible medical explanation for what once was seen as divine intervention. So how do we think about these things? There are three ways that I think about them. First, there certainly is an element of mystery here. Why the Lord would allow a brain to bleed, which would then release an amazing network of faith-filled prayers, leading to an apparent healing only to learn months later that the brain was not fully healed after all, this is mysterious to me. With that said, I attribute this sense of mystery to my own finitude. It does not cause me to question God's power or God's plans or the power of prayer or my own faith. Instead, it makes me all the more thankful to know that we are in his all-knowing hands and while we may not know where we are headed, he does and he is with us. Does that sound a bit like realignment here? I want you to continue to hear that in what he writes. Second, I'm gonna keep asking God to heal Angel. I believe that God loves to heal people. It's the one way he shows, his, it's, it is one way he shows his compassion for us. When Jesus healed people, it often was because he was moved to heal them out of a compassion for them, and his heart for us is still the same. I also believe God heals to show the power of his kingdom. His kingdom is one of life and health, both spiritual and physical, and he heals to show us that his kingdom has come through Christ to earth. I also believe healing brings him glory, which is the end for which we've been created. I am confident that by asking God to heal angel, my prayers are in line with his very own heart for angel, and wouldn't it be glorious to see him do something our neurosurgeon has never seen? 
And third, I know that God's heart to heal his people will only be fully realized on the other side of death. Every healing that takes place in this life, whether miraculous or medically assisted, is penultimate to the ultimate healing God has in store for his followers after their deaths. Healings now are glimpses of what God is capable of in glory. No one lives forever. Everyone has been healed in this life, must face a day when their prayers for healing go unanswered. And it won't be because God's healing power has reached its limit. Rather, God will let them suffer unto death so that he can usher them into the eternal life of health that Christ died to win. Such a perspective helps me to look back on our news from August and still say, isn't God's power to heal awesome? And then look at our news from December and say, the best is yet to come. So our family had opportunity to visit with Nick and Angel and their four beautiful kids this past week. And uh, we're continuing to pray for Angel's healing. And we trust God in that. How can Nick write something along those lines? Uh, They're dear friends of ours. They were on our church planting team in Jerusalem. How can he write that God's power to heal is awesome and the best is yet to come? Because as he prays, he's realigning with God's heart, saying, God, your will be done, your kingdom come. And I trust you with the results, whatever that looks like, trusting in God's sovereignty to do what is best for his family and for the world. And how do you get to that place? You get to that place in prayer. So what I want to encourage us to do is, I've talked about prayer this morning, but we can't just talk about prayer. It's important that we do pray. And, and so you're invited this week as we get into the new year, 2021. Tomorrow night will be a men's night of prayer. It's just gonna be an online prayer meeting at 6.30. We'll have links online at connectionpointchurch.org. We'll get those links on there tomorrow. So you can click on that link and I'll moderate that time of prayer. And we're gonna pray through this prayer. So we want to not just talk about it, we wanna pray through it. Uh, Shelly will lead a women's night of prayer on Tuesday night. We're going to encourage you families to pray with your kids on Wednesday night. Take time to do that. And then our life group leaders have been instructed to lead their life groups in a time of prayer as it suits their life group. So it's important that we don't just talk about prayer, but that we actually take time to go to the Lord in prayer. So take time this week. Some men join me tomorrow night. Women join Shelly on Tuesday night, 630. We'll just pray for about an hour and we'll work through this prayer, the prayer model that Jesus gives for us. And then join us next week. So next Sunday, we'll be back to in-person and online. So feel free to join us here in the building. And uh, we'll be here at 10 a.m. And we'll be live online at the same time. It's our January missions weekend. We're going to hear from some global partners from the Middle East. You're not going to want to miss that time uh, with Jeff and Marianne. It'll be a great time with them hearing about God's heart for the nations. Uh, But let's go ahead. I'm just going to close in prayer this morning and then just dismiss us. God, we just thank you that you sent Jesus, and that Jesus models for us the power of a prayerful life. And God, I pray that you would uh, give us a desire, like you did the disciples, to, to approach Jesus, to say, Jesus, we've seen the power of your prayers. Help us to pray like you. And, and Lord, I believe that power comes from our realigning with you, so that we're praying your will, what you already want to do. We're releasing that will on earth in our prayers. And God, then, through that, you're bringing the results that only you can bring, God-sized results. And so, God, I pray that you would give us a heart for prayer. God, I pray that uh, the men will jump online tomorrow evening, that we'd have a, uh, an evening of prayer together, and then women on Tuesday night, and families on Wednesday night, and Lord, then our life groups as well. God, help us to be a people who pray, that we might experience the results that only you can bring. 
And we trust you for that work, God, in 2021. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as you go today, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, show you his mercy, and fill you with his peace. Amen. Go with God today.